Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the another fantastic edition of Euro Hard in the Paint podcast, the NBA podcast where we ask hard questions about the NBA. I'm your host, Michael, again, joined by my very special guest, Michael. And today we're just going to kind of take a brief recap of what's been going on in the, in the past 10 days since we last did one of these and uh, kind of give our perspective on a few things and uh, actually get to these jersey reviews that we teased you from last time. Hopefully you've had enough time to look at them and uh, we have had plenty of time and we've got a couple thoughts and suggestions for the creative team over there at Nike. Uh, but first, we would like to give a special shout out to our sponsor for this episode of Hard in the Paint podcast, Endust. So Endust is your number one choice for multi-purpose electronic uh, compressed air dusting. So uh, it comes in a nice uh, 10 ounce uh, pressurized air canister. Uh, it comes with its own nifty little uh, like uh, red straw nozzle so you can get in those hard to reach places and you just uh, basically plug the nozzle in and start pushing the trigger and got you some compressed air. It's great for you know dusting the hard to reach spots maybe in your computer keyboard or your laptop or maybe uh, you know your TV screen or, or like behind a, a nook and cranny in your house uh, I, I personally love using this uh, don't try and uh, sniff it like many of our viewers have tried to do in the past that does not end very well uh, but you can always trust end dust for electronics and your anti dust needs and with that let's hop right into maybe the biggest story of the past week and that is the nice separation of Carmelo Anthony from the Houston Rockets. So obviously uh, the Rockets have been in a little bit of a slump here and Melo has uh, very much not helped save the sinking ship in any way possible. So what is, what is the real story here, Michael? It seems that the Melo experiment has come to an end. I believe since he's almost like it's it's sort of like a house arrest kind of thing, right? Like he's not really off the team, but they don't really want him. And Houston's kind of ripped off like four straight wins here. So it seems like it's a addition by subtraction, a lot like OKC did over the summer. Absolutely. I mean, he was a bargain, right? Houston only paid the vet minimum for him since Atlanta took the buyout. So maybe not a huge loss to Houston, except on the offensive side, but he was absolute trash anywhere on the floor. And he doesn't fit their scheme either because he's like a mid-range guy. And, and he can't beat anybody off the dribble anymore. It was one of those things where you love the idea, but in practicality, especially the did way melo has been playing the past couple of years, it's, you can't trust him on defense, you can't trust him did on we offense. Really, did we really like the idea, though? Maybe five years ago. Oh, well, I mean, five years ago, Melo was, like, one of the top two scorers in the league. Like, five years ago was, I think, that 2013 year when he, like, took the Knicks about as far as they've been in 20 years. It was obviously a pipe dream. I guess that's the easy way to put it is, you know, there was a, a high risk, um, maybe potentially medium-level reward 
Um, but there was probably, I think everybody would have agreed that it would have turned out bad more ways than good. And I think we've been big proponents of that ever since that trade was announced here on Hard in the Paint. And uh, it's kind of really shocking to see sort of, I mean, Melo's kind of been an ego guy, but, you know, he played with, uh, you know, Allen Iverson way back when he wouldn't accept the role as a bench player or a six-man and saw how that career kind of ended in a little bit of a jaded fashion. So hopefully Melo doesn't turn out the exact same way. You know, maybe some team can pick him up here. Uh... Okay, so earlier in the summer we did a, we did an episode with, Talking about Mello, right? We talked about Wiggins, Blake Griffin, and Mello. So I had I made a note. I remember uh, that listed in the 2012-2013 season, uh, Carmelo Anthony won the scoring title. It's the only time he's ever done it, but that's exactly what he did. And I think that's what Houston was looking for was like a guy that could just give them instant offense. So where does he go from here? You that's got any tough. ideas? I mean, so his his contract right now is actually pretty cheap. So that's that's a good sign to this is, all right, you know, Houston's got to kind of do a buyout type thing. But if another team wants to pick him up, it won't be too much change they got to throw around. Um, I, I, mean, I mean, maybe now he's a vet guy, you know, maybe think like the Vince Carter type role. But he's not even that reliable from that space and pace three. Yeah, like... No contender would want Mello. I, I don't think a single contender in the Western Conference wants him. I don't think any of the top five teams in the East want him. The the only logical team that kind of comes to mind, the Hawks and the Cleveland Cavaliers. So who it really comes down to who wants to take a chance on Mello? You know, this is kind of fits in that realm of players from the past couple of years like Lance that nobody really wanted to take a chance on or mm. a couple of these other guys. I personally think uh there's a new vacancy in the land of Tibisota that uh, <laughs> oh Carmelo was destined to go to roughly four years ago if we remember 2013, that. 2013 and flashbacks. if anything's been shown true it's that <laughs> that team's gonna be the Timberwolves uh, so I could see they need a vet in that team as well. So it does not seem awful to fit there. I don't know if they if Minnesota would want to deal with chemistry problems. I mean, they have dealt Jimmy away to Philly, so I don't know if they want to bring on another guy like Melo. Maybe you put Melo there. Maybe you put him in Chicago. Maybe you send him back to New York for a farewell tour next year with a healthy Porzingis, maybe kind of uh, rekindle that fan base. I don't think the uh, KP-KD tandem wants Carmelo Anthony. I I don't know where he would go. Like, the the only two – there are only really two teams that I could see. Hawks, since they paid so much for him, why not just take him on anyway? Let him play on the floor. Maybe Trey Young, it kind of, I don't know, weirdly bounces out. Then he got Lynn Sanity in there. The Cavs make sense just to give them anything, but honestly, the Cavs should just focus on tanking at this point. Maybe the Wizards, just because the Wizards always do stupid shit. Yeah, it's it's a it's a hard hard life for our boy Carmelo. You know, uh, you know when when D Rose rises, Melo falls, and 
You can only have <laughs> one of these talents from the tens actually good at any one point in time. Speaking of talents, uh, the the maybe the hottest take of the past ten days has been the schism between Raymond Green and Kevin Durant on the Warriors in a in, in a very crunch time moment in a high high pressure situation that's just kind of snowballing into a lot of he said he said in this situation. What, what do you make of this? What's going on here? It actually kind of feels like weirdly over dramatic, right? Like I I feel like this shouldn't be as big of a deal as it is, but it's it's kind of getting worse and not better. Like I kind of expected, okay, it happened. Next game they would like they played the Hawks and they blew out the Hawks, and I was like, oh, okay, everything's fixed. They're basically good to go. But really, without Steph on the floor, uh, he you know he's got some he's got some lower leg injuries. Um, this team has no mojo. Like they're they're fucked without Steph. So right before we were uh, filming this episode here, I was watching the Spurs Warriors game. Currently, uh, Steph is suited up on the sideline, not playing. Draymond is actually not there because he has been fined and is not playing because <laughs> of some Warriors management decisions. Uh, and that team actually looks abysmal without both of those players alongside Kevin Durant. It almost looks worse than 2012 solo Kevin Durant Oklahoma City teams, um, which, of course, obviously was part of that decision into leaving OKC way back when. Kevin Durant doesn't like to be the sole guy where everyone can load up on him and he makes it work. Uh, it's just not his attitude. That's not his game really. And to see that team without both its star players and then playing like Quinn cook and Damien and all these other rookie sophomore D league guys, it's kind of painful to watch right now. Honestly, the weirdest thing is so much of this summer since LeBron went to LA was naturally where's Kevin Durant going to go. He's only on this one year deal. And I, you know, pretty much the mainstream opinion is that Kevin Durant will leave at the end of the season, you know, win the third trade title, uh, move on to something else. But what if it's actually kind of the opposite? What if Kevin Durant is looking to stay with this Warriors team um, you know, kind of really build together, try to build this dynasty out, right? Like five, six in a row, uh, moving to the new arena in downtown San Francisco, like right on the bay. And what if it's that the Warriors are the ones willing to part ways with Kevin Durant instead of the other way around? Um, you know, maybe they're trying to look forward to the 2020s because Steph and Clay's game, you know, that's going to age well. Draymond, not so much. Uh, Iggy is old, Livingston getting up there in age. You know, maybe they start trying to use some pieces to get an Anthony Davis. Maybe Kevin, Dur- maybe they trade Kevin Durant to get an Anthony Davis. Holy mackerel, that's a big bargain right there. I, I, I really think after kind of watching this little, you know, three, four, five day stretch of the Warriors here where they've lost like really weird games. 
to teams that they shouldn't be losing to, it really does make me think, man, I think Kevin Durant really wants to stay. But the Golden States, you know, they're kind of okay with him leaving. And that might make him want to go. Like, it's kind of like a weird self-fulfilling prophecy. That's definitely an argument on the table. I mean, we still have our <laughs> clairvoyant bill of KD to New York, right? So that offer is still on the table. KD to Washington. I mean, Washington would be a better situation for him if they deal out John Wall. Because then you got pieces like a Bradley Beal, um, Kelly Oubre, Otto Porter Jr. You know, you deal out some of the old centers. And you deal out John Wall, and you, you know you got a much better core than I think you would have with the Knicks because KP still got that ACL uh, problem. A lot of uh, I think I think a lot of people <laughs> have written off KD is leaving now. I wouldn't be a hundred percent sure of that, but I'd say uh, you know for suspending Draymond as a management and then finding him, you know, not this isn't a league decision. This is a Warriors management decision, so you know. There's something going on in those boardrooms right now. Yeah, where I mean, where does it where does it go though? You know, I mean, it, it really I think does. This team is very dysfunctional without Steph Curry, and right now the league kind of changes have actually benefited the Warriors more than any other team. Right, every team is playing faster, jacking up more threes. Um, you know, the offensive rebounding rule has now, like, been changed to 14 seconds instead of 24. I mean, those types of changes really help a team like Golden State that likes to operate with many kind of playmakers, guys who are doing a lot of cuts, guys who are doing a lot of switching, you know, that kind of weirdly, you know, unstable, you know, lineup of an overload of shooting a lot of Excellent. things help Golden State, and if they don't win, I mean, this could be the big thing, right? Like, you know, the biggest thing is if the Warriors win the title, does KD leave? KD leave? If they don't win, I mean, KD will probably leave. Yeah, that's a legacy move for another time, I believe. You know, I'll be paying attention to the social medias here for a couple days just to see how this one shakes out. Um, I expect some subtweets and some Instagram tags coming out here in the next few days. Yeah, I mean, I guess a heat check for this kind of, you know, this thing with Golden State is um, their one of their upcoming games is against the Oklahoma City Thunder, who have managed to fix their season. You know, they've they've rolled off nine out of ten wins and are sitting third in the West right now. So it's kind of a good like head to head kind of matchup and see if the Warriors can get back on track. You know, those are some spicy matchups because Westbrook keeps trash-talking KD every time those guys play. Yep. Um, so I guess elsewhere around the league, what's happening with Donovan Mitchell and the Utah Jazz? So a lot of uh, a lot of interesting things have been going on here with these rookies 35, from last year. 35 points on 31 shots, zero assists. Kobe. <laughs> We've been having a lot of sophomore slumps. Uh, you know, even Dono and then uh, Jason Tatum, too, to an extent. And you could say Philly's a sophomore slump as just a team in general. Mm. Um, not really sure what's going on there. Maybe it's a little too much too fast for them. You know, people finally started to game plan around. I think 
really for Utah's case, it was a poor timing of injuries and then some bad matchups. I mean, they I think they scored like 68 points in a game the other night, which is basically half of a normal game score these days. It, you know, it's, yeah. it's hard to watch that kind of basketball from 15 years ago. Yeah, I mean, the team is also built a little weirdly. You know, they're a little bit more of an old-school type of lineup, especially with Rudy Gobert on the floor uh, and Joe Ingles. And uh, who plays at the four? Uh, Usually Derek Favors. Derek Favors, that's right, yeah. And so I think Donovan Mitchell's kind of the only one that could kind of keep their offense sort of modern, but he's had a lot more of the shooting load. Ricky Rubio hasn't really been Ricky Rubio like last year. So maybe it's just the fact of he's been asked to do more and he hasn't really uh, kind of risen to the occasion. Yeah, It's a tough one. You know, it's, I want to say it's, it's just early. a little yeah, small, small sample time. size. So don't, yeah. don't take it too much salt to it, but you know, Utah was a team most of us had as like top three just off of defense alone and chemistry, really. Mm. So to see them slumping is uh, not the greatest. But uh, speaking of chemistry, the biggest news of the week transactionally was, uh, of course, Jimmy Butler getting traded to Philadelphia Mm. uh, roughly, I think, four or five days ago. Uh, great, great uh, fit in my opinion. You know, they traded uh, Minnesota sent Jimmy over. They got back Robert Covington, Dario Saric. Uh, really two solid, like, yeah. complimentary pieces. A lot like the hot sauce they used to be around Derrick Rose in 2011. <laughs> uh, you know, Saric is one of those guys where it's like, all right, if Saric is playing well, you know the team's playing well. He's always that glue guy that kind of does a little bit of the dirty work, a lot like a 6'10 version of Marcus Smart almost. And and Covington is just, I think he led the league in spot-up three-point shots last year, um, which is basically what Minnesota needs right now too because they have no floor spacing with Wiggins and Rose. Weird because Rose is actually making a good amount of threes this year. Uh, but then Philly needed a perimeter threat. That was off the dribble besides uh, Simmons, and Simmons can't shoot. Redick only has to come off screens, and and uh, Markel is obviously not panning out very well, which, of course, <laughs> will be a discussion for another time. Uh, however, this brings into question uh, the, the initial Chicago trade to the Timberwolves. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I guess effectively Minnesota sort of acted as an intermediary between Chris Dunn, Zach Levine, and Laurie Markkinen uh, in exchange for Covington and Saric. Kind of an even trade deal when you really think about it. I mean, I know Zach Levine is having a pretty good year. And, I mean, Covington and Saric, I mean, that, that's your playoff experience. And, you know, can't write off Chris Dunn on any particular game. And Laurie Markkinen, if he stays healthy, you know, he's a good young young kind of guy. I guess, like, some of the big questions I have are, you know, is Tibbs going to be fired in May? Because he turned down the Houston, you know, four first-round picks, which is, like, who would ever turn that down, right? I mean, that's, like, 
almost Brooklyn net style like thievery. Yeah, that's there must so my guess is he's fired. Deal. Yeah, my my guess is he's not going to be here at the end of the season unless the the Timberwolves like crack the top four or something. Um, and then on the flip side, you know, Elton Brand is the new Sixers GM after the whole Colangelo debacle. Um, this is kind of his first like big kind of move. Um, they've definitely kind of moved away from drafting and development. And I think a lot of it has to do with faults. And now it's like, you know, Jimmy had this whole head to head against Towns and Wiggins, you know, the, the, the sort of new guys. And now you have Fultz, who's pretty much been a walking disaster on the court. And so how's Jimmy going to kind of deal with that? You know, is it, you know, can Fultz handle it mentally and will he actually become good by the all-star break or does he just completely become bust? And then uh, the Sixers have three of the top 20 players in the league right now. I mean, they, they should finish in the top three in the, in the East. Um, I think I'd be disappointed if I didn't see them in the Eastern conference finals. Yeah, I think when you think about it, you know, if you're thinking Philly, you're like, all right, we kind of screwed the pooch with Markel. You know, we got gypped. We could have had Jason Tatum, which would have been sick. Uh, but now you're thinking, all right, best of a bad bad role there. You know, we've got these two good, young, like very consistent, stable pieces. Let's go try and hit a home run with Jimmy Butler. And if it works out, we'll be a title contending team. And so far, it looks pretty good. Uh, he really fills a lot of gaps for them on offense yeah. and defense. Uh, yeah, exactly. You can run this starting lineup with really without like a traditional point guard at all. You can run like Simmons, Redick, Butler, Mascala, um, and Embiid. And that's actually like insane when you think about it from like a Ben Simmons floor spacing perspective. It's, and a size, and size. It's I mean, very that's... similar to like uh, the Cavaliers team from like two years ago, where you had like Jr., you know, Corver, uh, Love, Channing um, Fry. You know, you got like three guys six ten and above that can shoot mm. threes, and then like one defensive guy and one screener guy. So, um, I think they're in a win now mode. And speaking of win now, uh, the best evidence of this was. I believe it was yesterday, there was a fantastic game between the Charlotte Hornets and the Sixers. Uh, probably my favorite game of the week I've seen. Uh, it started out, uh, Philly had total control of the game on both sides of the ball. Charlotte just could not get a shot down. It was, I think it was like an 18-point lead uh, pretty much throughout the first three quarters of the game. And then Kemba, the captain, Walker. Uh Texas rangered his way to 60 points, <laughs> bringing the team back from the brink of, of loss in regulation, only to lose it to uh, Jimmy Butler buzzer beater to end overtime. Uh, it was just a, a remarkable game. Kemba like legitimately looks like a all-star starter with that performance i mean it, no one yeah. can stay in front of him he was crossing he needs people to be, up. yeah he needs he's definitely he should be second on the kind of eastern all-star voting uh counts i would put Giannis at one and right now kemba at two um in terms of like voting 
if you had to tell me like a better point card performance from this year, I don't think there'd be one better than this right now. Maybe not from a passing perspective, but from a like this guy looks unstoppable. I mean, you say that, but I mean, this year he's putting up a career high in points at 28.7 and a career high in assists at six. Um, and also, like, you know, he chips in on defense with steals and kind of getting in those um, passing lanes a lot. You know, he's not an elite defender, but, um, you know, he's definitely a guy that if you give him enough to work with, he can kind of operate in the system, kind of like what Steph Curry does, where, you know, Steph Curry in a vacuum is not a good defender, but in that system, he's pretty good. I think he's the best point guard in the East right now, and he's definitely, after this performance, probably top 15, which is actually saying a lot for how deep that position is. And he's got a contract year coming up. He's a free agent in the summer. And he's from uh, the Jersey area. Knicks? Are we... we, uh... Are we knocking on some opportunities for the Knicks or Brooklyn to try and court Kemba? All I'm saying is, is uh, King Kemba. Imagine if King that guy Kemba had a team, name. the Lion King Kemba. The Lion. I mean, these sounds pretty nice, man. Or we could think, uh, you know, if something doesn't go right in any of those Texas teams, we could have the Texas Ranger himself. Or he uh, goes to the Lakers. Kemba, Lonzo, LeBron, Kuzma, Brandon Ingram. That's an insane lineup. Who needs That's defense? <laughs> you got Lonzo. Well, speaking Lonzo, of defense, Lonzo, Lonzo's an underrated defender. The uh, I, I was watching <laughs> the Spurs Warriors game just a, just a couple minutes ago, actually. Yeah. The announcers were giving a stat that the Spurs have only had 48 days, like calendar days, of a losing record since they drafted David Robinson way back in the uh, 80s. That's like 25, that's like 25, 30 years. Yeah, and so Holy shit. the next team on that <laughs> same metric would be yeah. the Mavs at 930 days. How are the, the Mavs? Wow, this is really weird. Oh, I guess... The early 2000s do make up for it. Uh, when you think about that, just like as a, as an yeah, entity, I mean, that's like that's like twenty, that's like twenty times more. That's like, well, first off, they haven't had like a losing record in probably all of those twenty years, like just to end a season. You're talking like over weekends where they go on like a, a one-two road trip, you know, or like mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's that is absolutely insane to me. Like forty eight days and twenty some years. I mean that's that's how the Spurs go, right? I mean that's just what they do. I mean they're they are consistency of excellence. I I, I just I, like kudos to everyone over there, like. I don't think you'll ever see such a consistently good organization as that, except for maybe this year, which isn't looking the greatest right now. Um, the Warriors. If they keep Kevin Durant, and they eventually get Anthony Davis. But we're talking 20-some years. The Warriors may be 10 right now. Right, but if the Warriors go... 
if they win six straight titles, seven straight titles, with you know the first kind of a wave of Katie or sorry, uh, Draymond, Clay, and Steph, and then you add Katie, and let's say Katie goes somewhere else, and they end up bringing in Anthony Davis, and it's like then they win a few more titles. It's like if they put together six, seven, maybe even eight straight titles. I mean, that has to surpass the Spurs. Because the Spurs, you know, as great as they've been over the last, you know, 20, 30 years, how you're mentioning it, like, they've never won back-to-back titles. That's kind of a, you know, one of one of the little kind of stains on their tapestry. Yeah, they've never had, like, the face of the league on their the team. The back-to-back. They don't have well, they've never had that drama. back-to-back, you know? Like, even the Miami Heat managed to kind of win back-to-back, you know? I mean, they shouldn't have probably, but the Spurs have just never really quite been able to do that. I would just be... Oh, my goodness. That's insane. Uh, so speaking of insanity... Uh... LeBron's going to have his uh, hometown return. The Lakers play the Cavs. Uh, I think either Wednesday or Friday of this week. I um, want to see some jerseys being lit on fire in the you pre-game think so? you camera think, shows. You don't think it'll be the complete opposite? You don't think this time it'll be all about appreciation? I want to see were... LeBron drop like 20, 20, and 20. <laughs> you know. Oh, is there... Oh, I mean, the Cavs are that bad that you could... <laughs> You could pick up like twenty steals. <laughs> oh, I was thinking twenty assists. <laughs> oh, I was thinking twenty twenty rebounds, twenty assists, twenty steals. Just like a complete like twenty blocks <laughs> probably would be easier. <laughs> nah, um, LeBron doesn't really play defense anymore. At least not in the regular season. It, it will be you know, maybe a a couple weeks from now. That Tyson Chandler trade will be like sneaky big trade of that team's season. I'm sure there's probably some more coming down the pipeline. Yeah, well, they've started to kind of figure it out a little bit. You know, they've kind of, you know, them and Houston and OKC, you know, some of the contenders that we thought would take on Golden State have uh, started to kind of turn it around a little bit. Um, But I guess uh, we can move into the team jerseys. Um, I just kind of want to point out a few things before we kind of do that. So one is there's kind of this impending wave of L.A. sports right now where if we look in uh, at the NFL, both, you know, like the Rams and the Chargers are having really good seasons this year and could put together like a Super Bowl run. And they're in different conferences. So there could be like an all L.A. Super Bowl, which would be really weird. The Lakers are obviously relevant now with LeBron. And the Clippers are, like, everyone's sort of second option in terms of being, like, free agency or trades. You know, Kawhi, Jimmy Butler, uh, Kevin Durant. Like, they've all been associated with the Clippers. So there could be, like, a renewed NBA uh, city rivalry, which would be really interesting. Like, what if, I don't know, three years from now, the Clippers and the Lakers face off against each other in the Western Conference Finals? And then even on the MLS front with uh, LA Galaxy and LAFC, uh, there have been some heated games uh, dubbed in kind of the European tradition as uh, El Trafico. Oh, okay. Um, 
And then uh, right now, the top five in the East, uh, <clears throat> this might have changed depending on uh, when you're listening in this episode, but uh, Raptors, Bucks, Pacers, 76ers, Celtics, I would say that's pretty much exactly what we thought would pan out in the top five in the East. Uh, interestingly, on the Western side, every team but the Phoenix Suns are within five games of the number one seed. It's that chaotic right now. Every team but the Suns. And look at that. The Clippers are not awful. I, I don't even understand how. It's it's almost like, man, we took Doc Rivers. Uh, what was it? What was he? The, the, the general manager or like the president of basketball operations or something like that, Maybe right? Yeah, VP, I think. And now it's like Jerry West comes in and it's like somehow moving on from the CP3, Blake Griffin. DeAndre Jordan era has actually kind of stabilized this team. The Grizzlies are having a nice bounce back. The Nuggets are kind of quietly sneaky. Yeah. The Blazers, the for Blazers. some fucking reason, like, <laughs> who knows? Maybe in a week the Blazers uh, surpass Golden State to take. Uh, I think I need to start watching Clippers games. Like, geez. <laughs> even the Kings, even the Kings have a chance. <laughs> like, and, you know, you got to think, oh, who are the, all these teams beating up on? Well, you got the Cavs here at 2-12, and 12, just like they were, you know, eight years ago before LeBron came back. <laughs> we're seeing the league, and they're going for it. And then uh, even Minnesota, who's sitting at 14th in the West, uh, they're only two games under 500, and they've won, I think, three straight games since uh, trading Jimmy Butler, so... That's at least kind of turned away, and they've got a pretty impressive home record. Um, they've only lost one game at home. The problem is they're beyond uh, repairable on the road. But that's a, that's a good round out of our updates here. Um, let's move into the jerseys. So City edition. We had uh, teased you all about the newly released – City edition jerseys for all these NBA teams, of course. Uh, each team, kind of like last year, they kind of have a, a... A theme. Yeah, a new yeah. stylistic jersey. Uh, a lot of times it represents something like a landmark or city history or uh, a lot of... Uh, kind of takes homage to parts and bits of their past or or things nearby, so... A lot of these are maybe a little bit rehashed from last year's versions of the city jerseys. However, <laughs> I'd say a lot of them are been slightly tweaked or updated and actually look better. Uh, I personally I think overall, I think these are a pretty good success. I mean, stylistically, they all look pretty good. I think sales-wise, it's a pretty smart move to throw some off colors in there and and uh you know not always just have the same whites and aways and everything um so let's just uh first off uh it's gonna be a little hard to talk about just from an audio perspective but uh you know you can check this on nba.com or whatever favorite website you love to use to look at nba news but uh, just in general, overall, one of the first things we noticed when looking at these jerseys, and even in some of the games that we've been seeing, is the numbers on them 
and even the fonts for words are all uh, relatively small and like not scaled well, especially on a lot of the centers and larger players in the league. Uh, you'll see a lot of times where sort of the name and the number will be on like kind of the upper chest, really in the pectoral area, like right on the breastbone. And then you'll have like half a jersey with nothing on it until it gets their waist where their drawstrings are. Um, maybe that's not a huge deal, but on most of these jerseys, you've got small numbers that maybe aren't in the center or off to the side, or uh, maybe you don't even have numbers on the front. Maybe you have them only on the back, like in the, the Golden State jersey case. Uh, just some weird things, and I get it, you know, as an NBA fan, we kind of know all the players and generally know their numbers and such, but as a, just from a organizational standpoint, the numbers are really the most important part of the jersey because that's how the referees and the statisticians communicate who is doing what on the court and where they are and, and all of those things and fouls and whatnot. So being able to easily recognize and communicate the numbers as well as you know, that's uh, very like almost like a part of that person's uh, brand in a sense. It's part of their last name in a lot of cases. I mean, you think, you know, Jordan's 23. You think how many players have taken up after him. You think, you know, Westbrook's double O. You know, a lot of these big players are attached to a number. So, uh, it being small or not there or out of the way is a little I get it from a stylistic perspective but I, I don't think I would have done it what do you think of just as a whole what do you what else do you think about the jerseys Michael well I think this year kind of more than any other year a lot of teams have really tried like they put in kind of effort and I kind of wonder if a lot of this has to do with the level of fan engagement, the fact that the NBA is more popular than it's ever been, um, social media, like, you know, it's so easy for people to just kind of tweet their opinions about different jerseys and kind of, you know, have this constant conversation about the NBA without even it being about, like, a particular game or, like, a particular player, right? Um, but overall, just kind of at the jerseys, I really do like the fact that a lot of teams try to incorporate color, Um you know, not necessarily kind of their their staple color, but sort of like some type of like alternative vibe to it. Um, or they've kind of tried to with, you know, kind of have this like weird retro modern kind of look at both at the same time, right? Try and look kind of vintage, but use kind of uh, modern day aesthetics, like uh, making the jerseys look a lot more kind of flat, um, which you kind of see on a lot, a lot of like, applicate like mobile apps and stuff nowadays so that's kind of just some high level takeaways um i really like the color and the idea of kind of making the jerseys look a lot flatter so it kind of gives it like nice little modern feel absolutely so let's just hop through um we had just taken a few i guess bullet points about some of the things we like and dislike about some of these jerseys and and really just to give a better perspective of what's really going on here so i think one of my potential favorites, and not from a stylistic perspective, but from maybe a uh, theory perspective, is the Philadelphia City jersey actually is a 
the history behind it, paying homage to uh, gray sweatsuit warm-ups that Rocky was wearing in, I guess, Rocky's one through four, back when he's jogging through the streets of Philly and going up the steps to the library and doing the shadow boxing and the statue of him's over there now. So you'll notice that while gray isn't really anybody's favorite color for a jersey, uh, that is what their goal was with those. And uh, seeing them actually in game, uh, it's actually spot on color from the movie. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of weird in the fact that I don't know how many NBA fans really know the Rocky franchise. Like, I don't know if, you know, kind of on an eyeball test, like even, even someone like me, right. Who's like seen pretty much all the Rocky movies and looking forward to Creed two and stuff. I don't even know if I would have put that kind of together. So, you know, that's kind of like some, some deep kind of research there, but uh, what do you think of Chicago? They've got kind of uh, most kind of black body. And then they've kind of got these light blue stripes around kind of the chest and then in between the two stripes, they have four red stars. Um, so this was a tough one for me. I had, you know, when I was looking at these, I had a big poster board image of all of them in a row alphabetically. Mm. And I was, you know, looking for Chicago. I was like, Chicago, Chicago, Chicago. Out of a lineup, I couldn't guess that was Chicago until I went through and had to check them <laughs> off one by one. Maybe if you're a Chicago native, you would have guessed it better, but the whole red stars and blue bars is actually a nod to the Chicago flag. Uh, however, you would have thought uh, from an NBA perspective, it would have been something along the lines of championships one, you know, Michael Jordan, something like that. Uh yeah, especially because it's been 20 years since Jordan retired from the Bulls. So it's it seemed a lot of place to me. Now, does it look cool? Yes. Like, sure, the jersey looks fine. Um, but is it Chicago? From an outsider's perspective, it's never really lived there. It doesn't look like Chicago to me at all. That's just what I think. <laughs> It's kind of weird, really. Uh, it's probably one of the, the oddest oddballs. Uh, one of the other sort of... Uh, Misses. Odd, yeah, I guess... I, I think really the biggest miss that we can, we can mention is the Memphis jersey. Uh, so, again, looking at the lineup, I couldn't freaking tell which one was the Memphis jersey. <laughs> uh, so I had to go through and I was like, all right, you know... You know, Clippers, Lakers, Memphis. Uh, and it's, again, a color gray. So that's already like two thumbs down. Uh, and it's got these dark blue um, side pieces with uh, golden text boxes that they emulate. Yeah, just a lot of yellow. And it's, and, and it's not very... Uh, Obvious. A lot of yellow and a lot of gray. Yeah, and it looks the 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 really the second problem with that is it looks way too much like the Pacers jersey, which is actually I think pretty well done. It's like almost like a Goodyear tire to represent sort of the NASCAR Indy 500 vibe. Um, it's got like the racing stripes and 
a lot of that uh, NASCAR mm-hmm. font type. So I, I was like, wow, those look really similar. Like if they're ever on the court together, I'd probably get them mixed up. <laughs> uh, what do you make of the kind of kaleidoscopic one from Milwaukee? Where it's kind of this blend of reds, oranges, yellows, greens. Almost like a really weird 1970s rainbow. I guess if you're really high, it could be kind of cool. But it just kind of makes you think of McDonald's sort of vibe. Um, Milwaukee, it's now a 50-year franchise. This might be kind of the absolute weirdest looking jersey, I would say. Yeah, you know, one of the weird things it does is it's got the vertical type text for bucks instead of horizontal. Mm. And then the one shoulder red, kind of like a McDonald's French fry box. And maybe, okay, I get it, you know, Milwaukee, cheese heads, you know, flags, whatever, sure. But it's just too, it's almost gaudy in a sense. It's like, a kid had a box of basic Crayola markers and colored in, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like when you walk in, when you're like going house hunting and stuff and you see, uh, one of those like retro, like 1970s kind of houses where it's like, they still have shag carpet everywhere and a lot of wood and, you know, the, they have one of those sunken in living rooms and kind of like a sweat level. And it's just like, man, like this feels so much more like the Brady Bunch than it does anything else. That's a little bit of a miss again, uh, just in our perspective. And, and maybe a, a smaller point uh, as well is the Kings jersey. You'll notice it's, it says Sacktown, and it's that same uh, light blue, white, and red that was the same as the jersey from last year, actually, with that had the line and the logo in the middle. Uh, Again, it didn't look like they really tried for that one. Uh, same with the Boston jersey. So the Boston one's supposed to be a nod to the Larry Bird era warm-ups where it had the gold stitching around all of the letters in the green jackets and whatnot. Uh, again, didn't really look like they tried for that one. Uh, the Nuggets one okay cool it's got the retro denver and it's all white not really a ton of new stuff there it's kind of the most uh interesting one though in a lot of ways because it is like it's just kind of this rainbow with a bunch of mountains and you know it just kind of feels like all right i get the mountains i don't really understand the rainbow but that's kind of one of those where it kind of has that Marketing back to kind of the old days, right, of like ABA kind of ball. But it looks, you know, somewhat uh, kind of a flat design. So it kind of looks modern and retro kind of at the same time. So it kind of works okay enough. Like it almost feels like if they only did one or the other, it would have been trash. But somehow it kind of works, I guess, a lot like their team. Like somehow they're kind of playing with a plotting five instead of like fast paced guards (laughs) and and a couple of the other ones uh the cleveland the okc the utah and the timberwolves jerseys all look like you know 14 year old aau team jerseys (laughs) yeah Uh, like kind of too much colors going on uh 
they almost look plasticky in a sense like like uh like they're trying to be too much of a statement on their own yeah and it seems the, like they're trying too hard to appeal to kids like yeah. to little kids and the cleveland one looks particularly bad like in person when you have the bottoms on too and the wolves ones is pink like it almost seems like a knockoff of the actual best-selling jersey of the Miami Vice ones, which have been... I get it's the same ones as last year, uh, but those are actually, like, probably I mean, the, the best. Yeah, it's one of the best that I've ever seen, so why not keep it going? I mean, the only kind of thing with the Minnesota one is it's an obvious uh, nod to Prince, um, who passed away a little while ago, so... You know, they kind of double down on kind of the purple and the kind of um, neon pinks and stuff. And, you know, at first I was thinking, oh, man, it looks so similar to Miami's. You know, let's queue up that Adam Silver trade conspiracy and uh, Jimmy Butler might be going to Miami. But instead he uh, traded in Prince for Rocky. Um, What do you make of the kind of Houston and Golden State? They both kind of embrace the, uh, I guess, Asian – kind of market yes this is an interesting one to me um you know, golden state in houston i think three or four years ago they started doing uh back with adidas they had these sleeve jerseys that had uh i think their words and such were in chinese i might be wrong on that but uh, it was basically the normal jersey but home in a way in the Chinese instead of the English. And those actually sold surprisingly well. Um, obviously, Houston has a huge Chinese market, being uh, Yao Ming is like their big front runner and ambassador over there for yeah. just the global brand. And obviously, Golden State area has a ton of uh, boat people over there. So uh, it, it makes a lot of sense. It's also kind of cool because... That's kind of like the quote-unquote rivalry from last year. Kind of neat to see. I think it kind of going on the language barrier, uh, the Suns being in Spanish as their default city jerseys, kind of shitty in my opinion. Well, uh, I mean, they went with Los Suns, which which isn't even, like it's only in half in Spanish. Like at least go full Spanish and call it Los Soles, you know? Yeah, it's just like, well, they already do the... Latino Knights. Yeah, Latino Knights jerseys. It's like, why, you know, why do this now, too? It's like, eh. it's just the little things, you know. It's easy to pick out the little things when it comes to style. What what other takeaways do you have for these? Uh, so another one that's kind of very similar to uh, the Philly one was Brooklyn. Uh, theirs is apparently inspired by Biggie, um, which looking at it kind of firsthand, I, I mean, I would have never made that connection. But then again, I mean, who else do you try and look to um, to kind of represent Brooklyn? And it's either going to be Jay-Z, which would be kind of too on the nose. So I guess they chose Biggie partly because 90s nostalgia is a thing. Um, and then obviously hip hop and the NBA um and, and can kind of rap are all very uh you know tied together nowadays um you know minnesota had kind of a musical nod um 
Toronto with the Drake OVO type. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we kind of see these parallels and um, so it was kind of interesting. Um, but then, you know, they kind of had like along the, the kind of stitching on the sides. Um, they had kind of this like color pattern that the Knicks sort of ripped off. It's almost like the Knicks were trying to rip off Brooklyn and they just didn't do it as well. You know, it kind of feels like the Knicks is like a knockoff, uh, you know, kind of one of those like only a dollar, you know, five dollar type jerseys, like replica jerseys of like the Brooklyn. And it, it's just like, why would you do this? And like the Knicks fan, like the Knicks fans must be hating themselves. Um, another one, I do like the pinstripes on the Lakers and on the Clippers. I really like their font style of kind of having this, uh, I don't know what it's called, like fast blur kind of look. Yeah, absolutely. Um, not, not too much of a fan of the color scheme, but I do like that kind of font choice. Uh, New Orleans has these kind of uh, purple, green, and gold uh, kind of bars, um, which I – the only thing that was kind of coming to mind was like Mardi Gras. Yeah. I don't know if that that's, meant to be like a Mardi Gras thing. But... That's pretty much what it was. The ones last year were um, actually like solid purple. It was almost like a Lakers jersey, which was kind of weird. Really, the last one I have a problem with is the Atlanta Hawks jersey. <laughs> and the reason is, is it looks like they just didn't try at all. It looks like yeah. they got, you know, a Georgia Tech basketball representative uh, to take some photos of that team's jerseys and then make it look like a uh, bird. Yeah, it's like they were thinking, how could we get more fans to come to the game? Oh, we'll make them think it's a college game. Problem is, no one gives a shit about Georgia Tech basketball either. Yeah, it's a pretty rough spot to be in. Just a, it's just a bummer. Feels like there was a lot more you could have done there with, you know, even like retroing to like the Pete Maravich times could have been cool, uh, or maybe like a Dominique style. Mm-hmm. I'm so so. There's a lot, or maybe even like a Carmelo. Hawks time jersey you know there's a lot of eras to Hawks basketball they could have picked from yeah and I guess like one other thing I kind of noticed uh with a lot of these jerseys was kind of the lack of like having a logo like their their kind of basketball logo like the team logo on a lot of them um you know a lot of them kind of have omitted it yeah yeah I didn't realize that until you said it there's really only I think the Mavs and Golden State Mavs, Golden State, Orlando. Uh, yeah. Those are really the only ones that have like a – oh, the Spurs one, but you can't tell because it's digi-print it's camo. camouflage. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there's only – there's not very many logos present. Um, I guess is a – I changed yeah, from it last seems, year's. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, another thing I, I kind of like was um, – you know, this is kind of particular in uh, in Charlotte's Buzz City ones and the Miami one and the Minnesota one. But I do think that kind of using like uh, like neon kind of colors um, on kind of black is a really good look. Like it just kind of makes it pop. Yeah. It's one of those that... Uh, it feels like a big wearing. game. Yeah. Yeah. It feels yeah. like it's like meant for a big game. You know, it feels like I would only break these out for like a game seven. <laughs> Yeah, it's like kind of like, you know, in college when you do like the blackouts or the whiteouts or the, you know, it gives you a kind of extra edge. 
Yeah, and everybody yeah. can wear black with their black jersey, you know? Yeah. Kind of just makes it a little bit more engaging, I think. Is there anything else you would like to uh, say to the good people of Her in the Paintland before we wrap up this? Uh, Thanksgiving's coming up, so um, I guess if you like celebrating the fact that white people couldn't farm and almost died, shout out to you Thanksgiving people. Yeah, you know, it's going to be, uh, we got a, a pretty large cold front moving across the country right now for your Thanksgiving, so definitely be wary of your travel plans. You know, make sure you bring your uh, smallpox blankets with you everywhere that you go. Uh, you never yeah, know worry. when you might need those to trade with the natives for a place to live and maybe some food. Or, you know, stay inside, stay warm, watch a shit ton of NBA like we're going to do. Exactly. And, and with that, folks, we will uh, say thank you to, of course, all of our sponsors for the episode of Heart in the Paint podcast. And, of course, we love to shout out uh, our Heart in the Paint viewer of the Fortnite. And this episode's special spectator of the Fortnite is, of course, Jason Jeffries from Minnesota. We'd like to thank you, Jason, for uh, being our one USA uh, branded viewer, according to our SoundCloud analytics. Uh, it's always a pleasure to, of course, hear your feedback, questions, comments, concerns. And you can do that, of course, at the links provided below in the descriptions boxes. And uh, yeah, with and uh, we'll try to we'll try to see if we can get Mellow on the pod. He's not really up to much. Might be looking to kind of move into uh, kind of that entertainment industry, and I think you know we'd be a pretty good stop on his on his uh, probably farewell tour. Yeah, you know he's got to get his training legs here before he gets on the Channing Fry CJ McCollum podcast, and the JJ Jefferson podcast. You know he's got to build up to yeah. the to yeah. the Bill Simmons. You know, yeah. Uh, so so we'll try and get him, uh, especially once he heads back to Atlanta, because we'll, we'll of course uh, have a branch there. But uh, with that, folks, we will see you all uh, next time.